This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. Another snow day. So we wanted to make sure that we had the opportunity to come and spend time with you today because we have a message that's great, it's profound, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to use it to touch and change your life. So stay tuned for that. Just before we get into it, thank you, Rafa, for the offering. I really want to encourage you people who are partners. I want to thank you so much for your continued support. We live in very strange times and very strange days. Between regular snow days on Sundays and COVID and all that it does around the place. I just want to thank you for your continued support. For people who are partners and perhaps you haven't contributed to Living Faith, please consider that. It really makes a huge contribution to us and, and, a, and a profound difference in the way that we manage things. And for those partners who have continued to, to support us, thank you for your continued support. We just pay blessing over that. And we just thank the, the Father that he's going to open the windows of heaven. And we're looking forward to blessing that overtakes you in a profound way. I'm very excited about this morning and what we want to speak about because um, I've titled this morning, God has called you to be a a revolutionary. God has called you to be a revolutionary. Christianity should not be something that is mundane and something that simply is added to our existing life experience, but it should be something that is transformational in our life. Many years ago, there was a man called Copernicus and Copernicus came up with a great insight. Up until that point, the understanding of the day was that the universe revolved around the earth. And Copernicus came up with the concept that actually the universe didn't revolve around the earth, but it revolved around the sun. And the thinking was revolutionary. The thinking was transformational. And what it did was it invalidated much of the thinking up until that point. And it introduced a whole bunch of new thought and new ideas. And it set Uh, the the thinking of the day on a whole new trajectory. God, I believe, wants to do that with us. Something profound happens in our life when we come to that point where we are introduced to him. And God isn't simply wanting to take our existing life and where we've been and what we've thought and all of our concepts of who we are and even who he is and wanting to take that and build on that. What he's saying is, I want to introduce transformation to you. I want you to become a revolutionary. Revolutionary and, and a revolutionary person is someone who's able to put aside where I've been and recognize the fact that there are transformational thoughts that are coming into place. Some of the places that I've been, some of the beliefs that I'm holding on to, and some of the ideas that have really characterized and defined who I am are things that are going to be invalidated by God. Even to some degree, my concept of who he is and what he's all about, how he wants to live and work and love me and express that love to me. And so it requires of us a revolutionary courage to be able to step out of where I've been and step into something new. It means I have to be open to the idea that God is going to do away with where I was and put me on a new trajectory together with him. I think one of the ways and and one of the examples that's most profound about this is if you have a look at the way that God dealt with people. Throughout the Bible, one of the most classic ways that this transformation is identified and is recognized is in a name change. When God started dealing with Saul, Saul was the destroyer. That's who he was. 
But he came to this place where he had an introduction and Jesus met him and Jesus began to introduce who he was and what he was all about. And he said, I have something for you. I have a future for you that is going to be redefined. It's not going to be a, a future that's going to look anything like Saul used to be. And so I'm going to rename you Paul because no longer will you be the, the destroyer. Now you're going to be the worker. You're not going to be the one who tears down and destroys. You're going to be the one who builds up and establishes. And so what he was saying to to Paul is, I want you to be a revolutionary and I want you to redefine yourself as this revolutionary person called Paul. He walked into the life of somebody called Abram and he was the exalted father and he met him. The, the irony, the irony of Abram being exalted father was that he had no children. And what God said to him was, I want to redefine who you are. I want you to become a revolutionary. I want your future to look nothing like your past ever was. And as a result of that, I'm going to rename you. No longer will you be Abram. You're going to be Abraham, the father of a multitude. Our future is going to be redefined in terms of our relationship with God and our ability to understand who he is and what he wants to walk us into. My encouragement for you to do, for you today is this. As we begin to talk about things and as we begin to explore God's disposition to this and His attitude to, to revolutionary thinking and revolutionary living, I want you to start to see yourself in that because it has pertinence and relevance to your life. And what He wants to do is He wants to sit and say, how much of where you are needs to be sacrificed at the altar of who I used to be so that I can move into who He's defined me to be? How can I step into transformation and new how can I embrace the concept of what a revolutionary Rafa or Linda or Marianne needs to look like? He's in the process of redefining and he's going to change your name and he wants to change your name so that you can begin to reflect who he is that he's walking you into. Marianne, I know that we've been talking a little bit about names and the significance of names, particularly in the Hebrew culture and what that means. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Of course, because Whenever I, whenever I sit and I think about a principle or something that God is showing us in the word of God, like we're changing a person's name, you know, nowadays names have lost the significance, I mm. believe. I mean, people just name their kids, whatever. They're not thinking about literally, you know, giving them life with the name that they give them. But in the Hebrew culture, names were huge. Yes. Like this wasn't an insignificant situation. It wasn't just like, oh, well, you're Gavin. So that's what we're going to do. They thought about it, right? Mm. They thought about what they named, what they would name their kids. They thought about what they named um, places, right? Like, you know, altars, they named things very significant. And when you look at um, in the Hebrew, the name was a reflection of the person himself or his character. So the name would give the person character. Mm. And then it also speaks of, it actually gives essence. Mm. It would speak of giving, the name would give the person essence. And when, you know, I mean, everyone knows, you guys out there at home, Gavin, you know, I love words and I love looking at the definitions. And so essence is something that exists, hmm. something that literally exists. That talks about like a manifesta manifestation, like actual, you know, tangibility. I don't, that's probably not a word, but we all know what I'm trying to say. It's something that exists. The individual, individual, real, ultimate nature of a thing. So when God changes a name and see like Abraham would have known this Saul going to Paul like they knew the significance that if God the creator Jehovah the one who exists is changing their name he's changing their essence right he's changing their nature and their character and so when I think about that for us right because 
the Bible isn't just something that we come on Sunday because we're Christians and it's just what we do. When I study it, I'm not, we don't study it just because we're Christians and that's what we're supposed to do. We're, we're looking and we're God showing us how to live this life that we're in right now, right? Like he's giving us, because he created us. He knew how we were going to exist in this realm on earth as human beings, as his creation. And so he knew that by showing us that in this principle of changing a name, that he knew that it would cause a shift. And from the very beginning, and you can just cut me off whenever, because this is supposed to be conversational. So Gavin, whenever you want to just, you know, you might have to just slap me across the face to get me to shut up, because I really do love the word of God Mm. and how he shows us these things and changing a name. He's shifting. You talked about shifting. Mm. God is constantly wanting us to shift from our paradigm, right? Because we all have our paradigm of how we see the world, right? How we see even what we think God's plan for us is, right? I saw this, I saw this funny picture this morning as I woke up and I was scrolling. I know you're not supposed to scroll right when you wake up, but I did. And it was, um, it was like a little cartoon of a, a rhinoceros, and it was his horn. And so he was like talking about how we all have our paradigms, right? And so in every painting that he had, his horn was in the middle of whatever it was that he was painting. We all have our paradigms Mm. and we all have what we think God is calling us to, Mm. or we have what we think the life that God has for us is. Paul, you know, Saul, he thought he knew what his life was going to be. Abraham thought he knew what his life was going to be, but then God comes. And I'm sure, you know, we, we look at these instances in the Bible and sometimes, I mean, even maybe it's just me, but you think of it like as this momentary thing, right? Like all of a sudden God, you're no longer Abram, you're Abraham. But there was a lot of building up to that place, right? There's a lot of backstory that we're not seeing in the word of God, right? I mean, these people, they have a whole life. Abram had a whole life of interacting with God. And so I'm sure there was a shifting, right? It's not this, all of a sudden, this climatic, you're now Abraham. Yeah. But there was a shifting. And I think, you know, revolutionized, like God is shifting us in our life all the time. Right. He's shifting us. Like, if I look at you right now, right? So, like, I have my view of things. So, here's my view. Mm. If I have it just like this, all I can see is my view, right? All I can see is my view. Right. But if God just every, you know, he shifts. And there I can see you a little bit. And then what if I go back to thinking, oh, well, you know, that's not, no, God's not naming that situation for me. Or God's not calling me to that. And so, what do I do? I go right back. But if I allow God to shift me, next thing you know, what I thought was gone and maybe mm. what I was naming or calling things is gone and I can see what he has for me. Mm. It's not always, sometimes, you know, it might be a huge shift, right? Where it's like, bam. But I believe there's a lot of little shifting that God does in our everyday life. Like even you calling me last night and saying, hey, let's have a conversation. Come and talk to me tomorrow. God used that for me to dive into things that he was already, he's been shifting, right? Like we all have situations that we in life are going through and he's shifting. And so he used this as I got into some of my notes that I've had for a long time about names and the significance. And he used it for me to look at it in a completely different way Mm. that the significance of changing names and shifting, because like I said, with the rhinoceros, you know, we all have our views, but then God knows, you know, in Ecclesiastes, it says, basically this is the Marianne version paraphrase, we have no idea the scope of God's plan. Mm. And we won't. 
We, we have, our, our human brains can't grasp. So we might think things are going to be a certain way, just like what you were talking about with, you know, everything revolved around the earth. The earth. No, it revolved around the sun. We have things that we think things revolve around, but then God is trying to say, no, no, right. Marianne, no, right. that's, you can't understand my full plan. Mm. So let me shift you right. from that. Yeah. I think that's such an important point. Um, I think one of the points that you made that is so relevant and pertinent is the fact that the Hebrews, their perception of what a name is and the significance of a name. Um, I know that in Hebrew culture back then, what they used to believe is that a name had a life of its own. A life of its own. If you think about that, that's incredibly powerful because what it means is if I give you a particular label, what I'm handing you something that has a life of its own. And so it has the power to influence who you are. It has the power to influence your nature. I think it becomes so pertinent and relevant because it gets down to everything that we're about in terms of our relationship with God. It gets down to purpose. It gets down to destiny. It gets down to the fundamentals. If you want to know who you are, you will never discover who you are outside of God. And what I mean by that is this. When you were, were created... The Bible tells us in Genesis that we were created in his image, in his likeness. That's who the true me is. It will be an expression in terms of my personality. But when love created me, love created me in his image and in his likeness. And what happened was, as a result of sin, there's become dissonance within in me. And so the true me is not able to relate in its entirety to who I am. It's not able to embrace fully who he's created me to be because I have sin which is coming up and it's alienating me from my true self. I don't feel confident in myself because of sin. I'm not able to embrace what it is to have courage and live from that space. I don't know what it is to be a, a, a person who lives by faith as opposed to by fear. All of these things are representations of sin which separate us from our true self. The reason I tell you that is because when Jesus came, what Jesus came and represented was the, the, the connection once again between man and God. And the reason that Jesus came was Jesus said, I'm here to represent the Father to you. Everything that the Father is, is who I want you to see. The reason for that is because every time we see an aspect of the Father, every time we see something that defines who he is, what he's saying is, I want you to recognize my name in that. And when you recognize my name in that and you begin to explore yourself in that context, when you allow the living idea of that label to begin to inform you, what it's doing is it's moving you back to who you used to be. The names of God become significant because they become roadmaps to my true identity. It's me embracing the true designer, the one who loved me so much that he created me. And what he's doing is he's giving me opportunities to step back into who I am. It's something that I believe that was so um, pervasive in David that he, we don't even recognize it, but he, his writings are imbued with the names of God. If you have a look at, even the first five voices, verses, voices, verses of Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd is Jehovah Rahi. He's my guide. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters or the waters of peace. It's Jehovah Shalom, the God who gives peace. He restores my soul. Jehovah Rapika, God my healer. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jehovah Tzidkenu, my righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jehovah Shammah, he is with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jehovah Nissi, my encourager or my banner. You anoint my head with oil. Jehovah Mekadishkem, the one who sanctifies or anoints. The reason that those things become important is because these were not simply the names of God and, and David was saying, oh, well, let me just tell you a little bit about God. What he was doing is he was writing something from his heart. He was writing something, the very names of God, those things which had a life of their own, which had taken root inside of who David is. And he was sitting saying, let me tell you a little bit about who I am. But who I am is inextricably linked to the names of who he is. And that's why in Psalm chapter 18, verses two and three, he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The point that he's making is the very names of God are those things that have defined who I am. And as I begin to live from that place, I'm rediscovering who I am in him. I'm reconnecting with who I'm truly supposed to be. Once again, I'm recognizing image and likeness and I'm coming to the place where I'm sitting saying, that's me. I like that. I like what that looks like and that's who I want to be. I'm changing from what I used to be. It's transformational and sometimes it's revolutionary because it's not building on my old thinking. It's sitting saying the old man has passed away. All things have become brand new. It's embracing the idea that my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. It's sitting saying I need to be a revolutionary. And in order to be a revolutionary, it requires new thinking, fresh thinking, transformational thinking that starts to define where I'm going and what my future looks like as opposed to being something that is inherited as baggage from my past. God is doing something in us through who he is. Jesus came to represent the father to us. Jesus came to introduce us to our true selves. And what he's saying to us is, if you can get an understanding, if you allow the life that is in the names of who the father is to come into your, into who you are and let it begin to transform you, you'll move to a place where you recognize fullness and meaning of life because everything that you're looking for is hidden in him. That's, I, I was, I was really focusing on just listening to you just now, not trying to think about what I was going to say. No, you got nothing to say. <laughs> no, I do. I was just, <laughs> I just, I think these are things that we hear all the time, but yet if we could really grasp it yeah. and allow ourselves to live from it, because you're talking about the names of God, Jehovah, right? So all of these names of God, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Je- all of these are, you know, Jehovah is the one who exists. And so like Jehovah Shalom, the one who exists as peace. When we think about this, because the names, all, the literal essence, all the, all the things that we've talked about as far as the significance, everything that you just said, when we live from that, like you were saying, that Jehovah Shalom, the one, the existing creator, he's existing as peace. And so when we take that yes. and we allow that to be where we're living from, right? Because this is the existence of peace, that God is existing in the literal essence, in nature, in character of complete peace Mm. in us. When we live in all of the other names of God, right? How he reveals himself, that these are the things that he exists. When we allow that existence to be where we live from, we then 
communicate from that place. And why is communication, why do I bring that up? Well, you think about, you talked about what we are built in the, the likeness of God, right? That God created it, us in his image, in his likeness. Mm. In the Hebrew, and I've said this all the time, but it's so significant that we realize that that means that we function as God functions, meaning that God created, right? In Genesis, it says, you, you can go back and read, and it, would, it says that he said, let there be light, and then he called the light day, right? So he said, he communicates. I was saying to you before when we were talking, a lot of times, like, I, this is how, I, you know, I picture things like we're picturing him talking in English and he's creating, but it's, it's a picture of he's communicating and there is a, something's created and then he calls it, which is the Hebrew word kara. And I want to read here if I can find it in my random pieces of notes everywhere. That means to, let me find it, sorry. But it talks about to proclaim, here we go. So to call, to be called, to call oneself, to proclaim, to summons. And so he's literally, he creates out of his existence as the creator. And then he calls, then he summons and he proclaims and he gives life to. Mm -hmm. So then when it says that we are created in that same likeness and Mm -hmm. image, that that's how we're functioning, we create with our life all day long. Mm -hmm. Because we were created to. Mm. And so when we're living from all that God is, right? We're living from these names, all that he says, this complete, this complete peace, all of these, in these Jehovah names, mm. that we're living from that place. We allow that to be the existence that we're living from. That's what's coming out of us. That's what we're creating our world because we're creators. Mm. God, we are in his image and likeness, whether we know it, yeah. whether we like it, we are. And so since we are, God is a creator, it means that we're creators. And so we're creating worlds all day long. Mm, mm. Not just when we decide we're going to be spiritual, not just when we decide we're going to be Christian that day. Right. But we are, because God created us humans Mm. in his likeness, we are functioning. We are creating every single day. Right. We are calling things. We are proclaiming things Mm. every single day. Every day. So when we take this and we, we realize that all that God is, he's showing, he revealed in the Old Testament, he revealed himself through these names. He was showing his character, his essence, all that he is. Mm. He was revealing that. Mm. And that when we live from that, you know, you talked about, again, still all these things are together, shifting. When we're living from that and we are creating as we were functioned to from a place of all that the creator Jehovah God is, we will see things shift. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that idea because I like the practical nature of things. And, you know, what God always invites us into is take up your cross and follow me. When he talks about taking up your cross and following him, he's speaking about death. The thing about that's so wonderful about Jesus is death always comes with a resurrection. And so it's important to have those two things together. And at a very practical level, what I, what I want to encourage you to do is this. Begin to look at the names of what's in your life. Look at the names of what's in your life right now. Do you have fear sitting in your life? Do you have inability? Do you have procrastination? Do you have um, inability to, to, uh, to grab a hold of, of encouragement? What are the things that are labeling you right at this moment? Because those things basically have a hold over you. And 
the thing is with the invitation that is always extended to us is take up your cross. It's dying to something. Dying to something is all of those things that are at odds with the name of God are things that are characterized by a nature outside of him. It's keeping us separated from him. It's keeping us separated from our true self. And that's the whole point of Jesus coming to die. The reason that he died for you was so that sin could be taken and done away with once and for all. All of those things that have a name that separate you from your true self and from him are those things that he paid the price for. The reason that he did that is so that you can lay that down and enter into resurrection. Resurrection life is not an incident that is historic that took place a couple of thousand years ago. Resurrection is all about a a continual ongoing reality of walking into a a future that is defined by God, a future of impossibilities that are suddenly made possible because of a God who always wants to surprise us. That's what resurrection is all about. Resurrection is sitting saying, I'm having a look at this and I don't want to be a person anymore who is disconnected from um, my emotional self. I don't want to be a person who is angry with myself. I don't want to be a person who is lives from a place of fear anymore. I'm recognizing those things and I'm letting that die. And what I'm sitting saying is I've been raised up with Christ. So what have I been raised into? Because it's an invitation for me to step into something which is given to me as a result of what Christ has paid the price for. And when I start stepping into Christ as my healer, Christ as my deliverer, Christ as my peace, I'm stepping into a transformational new me. I'm stepping into something that's going to redefine me and bring me closer to who he is and my true self. And so there's a very practical side to those things. Um, I think what becomes so important for us is to recognize the fact that faith becomes so vital in what we do. Because faith is very much linked to the possibilities of our future. It's not something that's defined by our past. All too often we have a look at who we are. We have a look at what has defined where I am right at the moment. My history, my upbringing, the parents that I've had, the advantages that I have, the disadvantages I've had. All of those different things begin to define who I am. The thing is that becomes inconsequential with God. And what he wants us to know is that's inconsequential when it comes to your faith. Faith is all about the possibilities of the future. It's all about what he's inviting us into. It has nothing to do with your past and what has equipped you. Um, you know, I think a good example of this is in Exodus chapter 3. Um, what ends up happening is Moses finds himself at the backside of the desert. And he's in that place because of his decisions. He's in that place because of what he's decided to do. Today, you might find yourself in the backside of the desert and perhaps you're sitting at certain places in your life where you're sitting saying, I don't like the way I feel about myself. I don't like the way that that life is treating me. I feel that things are unfair. I don't like um, feeling as though I don't have any sense of purpose or meaning. I don't know where you are and I don't know what's defining your desert experience right at the moment. But it's in that desert experience that Moses comes to a place where he recognizes the greater one. And when he goes and he begins to dialogue with the greater one, what he says to him is, you know what, Moses, I don't want to talk about your past. I don't want to talk about where you've been. I don't want to talk about your current situation. I don't want to talk about all your aches and your pains and your indecision and your inability and those things that don't define your life right now. Let me tell you about where I want to take you, Moses. And God begins to speak to Moses about where he wants to take him. And he gives him an awesome vision and an awesome plan for his life. 
And the first thing that, uh, that Moses says to him in verse 11 is he says, but who am I that I should go? We always do that to God. God wants to take us somewhere and God's in the process of redefining us. He's in the process of introducing us to life as a revolutionary. And the first things we do is we sit and say, well, let me go back to my past. What qualifies me to do this? Do you know how I feel, God? Do you know about my failures? Do you know how terrible life was? Do you, should I tell you what happened when I was in Egypt last? We always want to go back to those places and we want to tell God why are we not equipped to be a revolutionary? And the amazing thing about God's interaction with Moses in that space is that he doesn't sit and even address any of Moses' concerns. All he says to him is, Moses, I've got a plan for you. I've got a vision for you. And should I tell you what? I'll be with you. That's the most consequential thing. And it's so important for us to grab a hold of. Our future is defined by God is with you. And that space becomes so important because all of a sudden, the reason it's revolutionary is because possibilities are available to me that were never available to me previously. My future is defined by possibilities that have nothing to do with my past, my qualifications, where I am, how I feel, what I think, or anything else. The possibilities of my future are defined by Him, a God who loves me so very much that He says, I want you to experience fulfillment. I want you to experience the fullness of who you are. I want you to experience purpose. I want you to realize what it is to live in relationship with me that is meaningful, that reintroduces you to your true self. And in discovering your true self, you'll realize and see me for who I am. And suddenly I become a person who becomes a worshiper. The reason I worship you and live in a state of worship is because I'm in a a place where I'm continually wanting to get rid of those things that I don't want to define me because I'm embracing newness and who you're all about. The great characters of the Bible are people who are characterized by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it covers a few of them. It says uh, in verse 7, Noah, uh, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. In verse 10, it says, faith, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 12, by faith, Sarah received power to conceive when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. There comes a time in our life and the reason that the just shall live by faith is because faith gets down to that decision. Faith is that place where I sit and say, you know what, I'm recognizing the potential of my future and that is so much more consequential to me than where my past has been. Faith is about sitting saying, I'm linked in relationship to a God who his very name's begin to express to me his nature. That's what I want to define me. That's what I want to give significance and meaning and begin to, to, to color what my future looks like. And that's the invitation that I'm stepping into. Faith gives us the ability to harness our, our, our decisions so that we partner with our, with God, the one that we're in relationship with and step into newness and the potential of what our future holds. That was a lot of really good. And I was just thinking, I mean, it kind of, it, it, it brings everything that we've been saying, it brings it into this place of faith. And what is faith? It's relationship. Mm. All those great people of faith in Hebrews 11 that it talks about, were they perfect? No. Did they, in the shifting that God brought them to, because God had these big calls for their life, mm. God has calls for our life. 
And in the shifting, did they do it perfectly? No. But they, they do it in relationship with God. Yeah. And was God with them the whole time? Yeah. And I was just thinking about the fact that did they probably through that, we, I mean, some of the instances that we read in the Bible, did they name things? I mean, because we're, we're talking about naming and, and what are, how are we naming things and God changing and shifting? Hmm. And did they probably name things wrong along the way? Probably, yeah, we know they did, hmm. right? We, they tried to do it themselves, right? Like, in our journey, you talked about um, even like you know Moses in the desert. All of these things, God is showing us even in our life. You know, I've I've been walking through you could say a desert, something that I've been believing for for years, right? I've been waiting for years, and and I've shared through some of my teachings in the past, and I'm still literally that I've taught about it for a couple of years. I'm still in the same place of believing for something, but God along the way through a relationship with Him, right? With Him always being with me has been shifting me. Has the shifting been fun? No. Right? And so, and I kind of use that example of like, I have this view of what I think the situation should look like. The end of my desert, right? Mm. I have this picture of what I think it's going to look like. Mm. And then God has been shifting me because again, like in Ecclesiastes, I don't know the scope of God's plan for my life or for, you know, um, individually or as a family or whatever it is. And so God's been shifting and then in, it's in relationship, faith. It's in that relationship that when he shifts and he shows me that he brings that ability to be able to walk into it, right? Recently, again, it's been years that I've been believing for this thing and he's been shifting. And do I go back every once in a while? You know, like I'll, I'll be like, okay, yeah, God, you know, he'll give me something and I'll give it. And then I get tired. Do, do we all get tired? Do you get tired sometimes? And then what do you do when you get tired? Do you go back to, well, this is what it should look like. This is what it should be named, right? We're talking about naming, mm. communicating, calling things, giving life to, because what we call things, mm. it gives life to. Just like when God created the animals and he brought them before Adam and whatever he called them, that's what they were. Whatever he gave the name to, that was their existence. And so the same thing in our life, these things are coming in my, in this situation, in whatever situation you might find yourself in, things are coming before you. And because we function like God, we're naming things, right? So I'll get God's picture. So back to my little, my, my desert and I'll, I'll be good for a while. And then we get tired. Right. And we kind of go back to, well, no, my picture's easier. What, what, how I picture it is going to be easier. And, but with faith comes the ability because faith is an, it's an, it's that belief that it's goes from a noun of faith to action, to belief, to acting out, to doing all of these things, living this life that God has given us. And he, he recently, God, gave me something and he told me what to name it. I didn't like the name. I didn't like it. He says to me in the car, cause you know, I'm in the car and I get a lot, you know, cause there's not a lot going on. So I can actually have quiet. And he says, I was just thinking about the situation and I was like, you know, I'm mad at him. You know, I, you, we can be mad at God. I'm like, it should be this. It should be looking like this already. I've been, I've been, you know, confessing and I've been doing all of these things. And he says to me, what if it never looks the way you want it to look? Mm. I mean, I was like, what? Was I really disappointed? Because in that moment, I knew what I had been believing for, the picture that I thought it was, what I thought the situation should be named, mm. wasn't the name. Mm. 
And God was trying to change me. Like you've been calling it the wrong thing. You're like, like Abram, Abram, you're not Abram, you're Abraham. So I've been calling the situation the wrong thing. Was I disappointed? Because I thought it was going to be easier if it was this one name, if it was how I thought the situation should be. Yeah. Yeah. Am I still disappointed? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing with faith and relationship with God. In that moment, all of the disappointment that I had been experiencing for years because I had been naming it and calling it and it wasn't happening disappeared in that moment. My flesh, I, cause I knew it was going to be difficult Right. But it, where in the Bible does it ever say that it's going to be easy? Because mm. mm. like you said, the promise is that he will be with us. Mm. Mm. And so in that moment, while I was disappointed because I wanted what my picture of it was going to be, because in my paradigm, it would be easier. All the disappointment left because I knew what God was naming it because his plan, I can't understand the scope of it. Mm. And he began to show me if I changed this situation and made it what you wanted to be, it would throw off the whole rest of my plan. Right. But if you name it what I've called it, everything that I have will come to pass. Will it be hard? Yes. Mm. But I will be with you. And that's why all the disappointment left. Because I knew in that moment I had God's name, right? I had all that he is was going to be there with me. And he had built me. To be able to name it. Just like, do you think, I, do we, we don't know how Abraham felt when God comes and changed his name and said, you're going to be the father of a multitude. We, sometimes we act like he was excited. Who knows what he felt? He might've been like, mm. no, I just want a kid. Mm. Mm. I, I think that's such an important point. Um, you know, one of the things that is, I think we, we often discount and we don't necessarily recognize the significance and the impact of it is, how transformational faith is. We think faith is a tool to get what we want. Mm -hmm. Um, But I believe that the journey of faith is a space in which he and I come together in intimacy. And in that space, what ends up happening is I'm starting to discover what it is to live life as a revolutionary. You see, the thing about living life as a revolutionary is it speaks about transformation. We love the idea of transformation. We love the idea of of a future defined by potential and what God can do. But what we don't always recognize is that very often that future requires not just that God give us stuff, but God change who we are. And in the transformation of who we are, it's it's a scary place to be. People are comfortable where I used to be. People are comfortable in what I know, even if it's horribly dysfunctional and even if it's destructive in my life. People live in relationships that are horribly destructive. Why? Because it's what I know. It's a place that I can define. But moving into what God has for us very often, the reason that faith becomes so important is because I'm stepping out of a paradigm that I'm used to. I'm stepping out of my comfort level. And what I'm doing is I'm stepping into something new that I can't always define. I don't always feel comfortable with it. It's a little bit scary because it's brand new. And yet I have to step into that space in the confidence that he is with me. And I know that in that space, redefinition is going to take place. And redefinition is important. Because it's holistic in its nature. Here's a silly example, but men can relate to this more than women. I don't know what women do, but when, when, I'll men, let you know. when, when, men, when men are young and men are teens 
And they, it's like, they sit and say, fine, you know, the woman I'm going to meet, going to marry, they say, well, what, what is she going to be like? And what is the first thing they say? Oh, she's going to be like beautiful and she's going to be attractive and she's going to be sexy and she's going to be, and they tell you all the stuff that they think that they really want. The funny thing about it is the things that they're asking for and the things that they're looking for are actually so inconsequential when it comes to what a marriage is all about. Well, not so inconsequential. They add a bit to it, but they relatively, they relatively shallow. The meaningful parts of relationship come from things that are so much more consequential and deeper than that. But they're at a stage of life where they've never been um, exposed to that reality. And what ends up happening is, as a result of life experience, we grow to a place where we sit and say, I love the fact that my wife is beautiful. I love the fact that she's gorgeous. I love the fact that she looks um, after herself. But she's probably more that way today because I've got to recognize and value and appreciate her for who she is and what she's all about and her qualities and her nature and her attributes and what she's contributed to my life. Those things become so much more consequential because she changed who I was, I see her in a different light. I'm a different person and I'm a changed person as a result of going through a revolutionary experience called marriage. God wants to do the same thing for us. Sometimes we think we want things in life. Sometimes we think we should be at a certain place, but we're speaking from a place of immaturity. And what ends up happening is faith introduces us to life as a revolutionary. And when we begin to live life from a place of being a revolutionary the desires begin to change. I don't want the things I used to want. I don't see life the way I used to because a revolutionary is all encompassing. I'm changing who I am. My desires are changing and the things that I'm moving towards are changing. My goals and the things that I desire are shifting. Why? Because I'm, I'm living a lifestyle where I'm allowing myself to be influenced through who he is. My encouragement to you and some practical steps coming out of today is this. All of us have stuff in our life that we can label. Everything that you have in your life, no matter what it is, it may be an emotion, it may be a thought, it may be a belief, it may be a concept, it may be an idea, it may be a challenge in your life. It's got a name. Everything in your life has got a name. The wonderful thing about it is Jesus says, I'm the name above every name. And so no matter what your name is that may be characterizing you or your situation right now, what he's saying is, I have an answer to where you are. The invitation that he extends to us is to sit and say, can you lay it down? Are you prepared to sacrifice it? Because if you're prepared to sacrifice it, I can introduce you to resurrection life. And resurrection life is about you discovering yourself in terms of who he is. He'll introduce you to that. But beware, if you're prepared to embrace that, Get ready to become a revolutionary. Get ready for the idea that your entire world is going to shift and change because that moment is going to redefine what your future looks like. And be prepared to embrace it holistically. It may mean that your world's going to wobble a little bit and you may feel a little insecure in that. Hold tight to your relationship with him. Don't go back to where you were. Move forward with what he has for your life. It'll change who you are and it'll change what your future is all about. Faith is about grabbing hold of potential in terms of who he is, about redefining me and about redefining my life and my circumstances. Marianne, do you want to finish off and pray for us? Sure. Father God, we just thank you for this time that we could be together, Gavin and I here everybody at home, that we could be together in spirit and that you could show us
how consequential what we are naming things is. Father, I thank you that you would show us each in our life maybe where we're naming things wrong, that you would show us what you call things, what you name things, and that we would realize that when we speak, we are functioning as you in this realm, that when we speak and when we name, you have given us power and authority to create. And so I thank you, Father God, for that realization that we are creating and we are naming all the time. And so I thank you that you are with us, that you are always with us in the shifting of this journey of life, that you are there, that you are equipping us, and that you never, ever leave us. And we just thank you for a good week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm very excited for you. There's something so wonderful about being a revolutionary. And what's so exciting about it is you get to shake off your past and move into a a new future that is going to be defined by him. Make this week exciting. Be alive. Be alert to the fact that God wants to do something in your life. He wants to introduce it to you in a practical way. Take a few moments and sit down with the Holy Spirit and sit and say to him, where do we change and where do we move to from here? Have a great week. Thank you for joining us and hopefully next week we'll be live and in person.